0: I was kind of beat down again I mean I had a plan and I had every right to have that information and I didn't appreciate the judgment I didn't appreciate being scolded like a child I was an adult and it was really none of their business what I was asking for it was it, I was entitled to that information by law
1: Who am I?
0: Who am I? Who am I? Who am
1: I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? This is Who Am I? Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today, from Ohio, you're going to meet Michelle. She talks about the challenge of her childhood, craving a connection, but having the one she shared with her dad snuffed out. On her search, which began with Adoption Network Cleveland, she found an ally and a birth mother in the group, felt the shame of her simple request to have access to her own records and was met with secondary rejection. Luckily, Michelle has found the one person she now shares an undeniable bond with, the one she's always needed. This is Michelle's Journey. Michelle was born in the Baby Scoop era in a home for unwed mothers in 1969. Her family lived in Cleveland, Ohio. Her older brother and her family was also adopted, no relation. Two years after Michelle arrived, her parents gave birth to a daughter.
0: I remember distinctly in my early childhood not really attaching or bonding at all with my adoptive mother. There were things that just didn't uh, bring me comfort. Her voice, her smell, just her ways of trying to get me to be close to her, kind of forcing me to cuddle in, in a way that a parent would. I, I just really was not having any of it. Um, and my younger sister loved and cherished her. So there was a definite divide there.
1: Interesting.
0: So when I was younger I remember both my brother and I being read the chosen baby book and the uh, story of how we were you know picked from a group or saved or without adoptive parents you may have met a much worse fate and that never sat well with me as well Um, and I remember being asked as a child would you ever search And my answer was always very emphatically, yes. And then it would be tempered with, well, are you sure? Because your brother doesn't want to search. And so as I grew up, I learned to kind of temper my answer and enthusiasm. And I would say, well, maybe I would search, um, knowing in my heart, of course, that I would absolutely search when I was given the opportunity.
1: Wow. I'm wondering yeah. about, uh, Can tell me a little bit about the the book and your how you felt about the book. It sounded like what you were saying was the book was meant to make you feel better, but it didn't at all.
0: Yeah, it was. And I know that for the time that it was written and published and shared with adoptive families, it was meant to give some comfort of, yes, you were different. You didn't grow in your mommy's tummy and you came to us in a different way, but we chose you, we picked you and isn't that special? And I always remember feeling like just, just, it didn't sit well, just because I never felt special. I I know what they were going for, but it was just never something that I subscribed to, I guess
1: mm-hmm it's also interesting that you said you were subjected to a bit of peer pressure from one of the adults or the adults in your life like why would you search your brother doesn't want to search you know yeah
0: absolutely and that really stayed with me and I can even remember the exact tone of voice and the line of questioning and the way that I was kind of tried to you know be forced to change my answer to kind of fit what was more comfortable for my adoptive mother, essentially. Mm -hmm. She, She wanted to be the parent. She wanted to be the one and only mother, and she sensed in many ways that I wasn't that. It wasn't our relationship, and maybe it was her insecurity. I don't know, but it was clear that it wasn't welcome.
1: It's also interesting to hear you talk about the way she approached you for affection or tried to get you to be affectionate with her and how she smelled didn't like none of those things jived with you. And it's really interesting because I've, I've had conversations before more along the lines of romantic attraction, like what makes people attracted to each other or helps it along. And some of it can be like how a person touches you, how that person's, you know, for lack of better words, bodily aroma like resonates in your own nose. And even though I was yeah. talking about it romantically, I could see how it would be challenging for a child to make a connection to somebody that they didn't feel was was coming at them the right way in in both touch and smell. It's really interesting.
0: And and I don't know that I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it was more that I'm a very sensory person. I have a very um strong awareness for poor smell and when something is just a bit off i that is my first sense that kind of kicks in mm. and i also had the physical differences i had different color eyes than everybody i had different skin tone i had different hair so not just the the genetic mirroring part but i had all of the the body differences all of the sensory differences so I was on this like heightened awareness all the time that mm-hmm. things things were just different. Myself as a child just could not relax and, and be able to attach for all those reasons.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you look like?
0: I have darker hair and I have blue eyes. And I got to tell you, Damon, there's a story later, but <laughs> when I was in a room full of relatives from my birth father's side of the family, and I, I literally caught my breath because every single person in that room had my same blue eyes, and it was just, just, just breathtaking to me to be, be a part of that.
1: Michelle's mom gave birth to her younger sister around the same time that her own adoption would have been finalized. Later, she learned that even the social workers who visited her home before finalizing her adoption sensed that the placement of the adopted children might not be a good match. Michelle's brother had some developmental issues that were flagged with her parents, but they neglected to address them. She asserted that if there had been a follow-up visit, the social workers would have also seen her own detachment issues from her parents. But Michelle's parents were adamant about finalizing her adoption, Her parents strong-armed the social workers into completing the adoption, reminding them that they were pregnant and if any undue stress befell the couple jeopardizing the pregnancy, they would take legal action. After her younger sister was born, Michelle wasn't able to be around her mother very much. Two-year-old Michelle had been left behind again as her mother nurtured her infant daughter. Michelle said the backdrop of her adoption story set the tone for her role in the family
0: my brother the two years older he was you know the first child in the family and he was absolutely looked upon as as the heir to the throne if you will and then there was my sister who was their only natural child and she doted on my mother and my mother doted on her and to this day she just sees that she did no wrong in life and and you know admires her so much, and I just don't um, She actually passed away i don't know ten or eleven years ago now, and there are there are things that she says that you know she still just cherishes her memory, and I have none of that so
1: who who passed away?
0: My adoptive mother passed away
1: I see okay, wow. It's interesting to hear, <clears throat> pardon me, it's interesting to hear you talk about yourself as a middle child because I'm hearing two things. There's the classic just middle child, right, mm-hmm. which, you know, is often felt to, they sometimes feel like excluded and ignored. You know, there's there's the firstborn and the baby, and if you're in the middle, you're just kind of meh. But then there's also right. the sort of first adoptee, heir to the throne, boy, only boy in the family, and mm-hmm. the only girl who was biological to me, which puts you in mm-hmm. the middle in a different way, like you were double middle yeah. child. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely.
0: And the thing was, Damon, I was a very smart kid. I could pick up on subtle cues. I could pick up on tone of voice. I was, like I said earlier, I, was, I have always been on, like, hyper alert, and I could just sense things, and I could just sense that I just really was kind of a guest there. That, that's totally my words. I'm sure they would say it differently, but I never felt completely comfortable in that family.
1: Michelle spoke highly of her relationship with her adoptive father. She characterized herself as a tomboy, and she liked doing things with him, like being out in the garage or using the riding lawnmower helping him with yard work and stuff like that. But every once in a while, Michelle would do something that was perceived as crossing the line into her mother's job, mending his clothes or caring for her dad in other ways. Michelle said her mom said some hurtful things that she didn't want to elaborate on, but made it clear that her dad shouldn't be asking Michelle to do her work. The pressure was on for both Michelle and her dad to stay in their lanes.
0: And so, he made a choice to save his marriage, and I understand it, that um, he backed off of our relationship. And, um, you know, it was hurtful to me. He very much enabled her through um, my childhood and my teen years, and he did it for the sake of his marriage. And we've had a few discussions about it, but it kind of left me, once again, very much alone.
1: Man, that sounds really tough because those things that kids like to do with their parents, you know, parents are busy. And when your parent likes yeah. to do something with you, like, that's special time.
0: Oh, so for him to and back I off, so much enjoyed our time together. And, yeah, you know, we can reflect on it a little bit now. And I know it's difficult for him to talk about. It, and I know that there's some sadness there and some grief and not sticking up for me, I guess. Yeah. There were a lot of financial things that happened. My adoptive mother was a compulsive gambler. And so my adoptive father was put in a very tight spot. The house was mortgaged over and over. And there were bill collectors calling. There were police visits for theft and fraud. And mm. um, these were all things that were a part of my normal childhood and teen years, I guess. But there were so many people that were fooled by who our family really was. And I wasn't having any of it. I mean, I wasn't spilling the beans, but I didn't want to be involved in that any longer than I had to.
1: What does that mean?
0: Well, that means when I was in high school, I worked two jobs. And I saved the money that I could. I had paper routes growing up as a kid and, you know, I unfortunately had money stolen from me by my adoptive mother, bank account, Mm. paper route money. So as I grew older, I learned to be kind of secretive with what I earned and where I kept it and I bought my first car in my senior year of high school, and three weeks after I graduated, I moved out.
1: Michelle rented a room, not even an apartment, as her first big step away from her home on the road to her independence. She said the conversation about moving out was kind of of matter-of-fact, and her parents had their doubts as to whether she'd make it. They said things like, you'll be back, you had it good here, and generally gave the feeling of, fine, do what you want to do, you'll miss us. Michelle had a few more apartments over time, but she just wasn't far enough to feel free and relaxed. So she moved to Columbus, Ohio, two and a half hours away. In a new city, she could really be on her own. But right before she made that move to Columbus, Michelle's search for her natural parents began in the fall of 1990. It was a support group meeting sponsored by Adoption Network Cleveland where she sat in the room with adoptees, birth parents, and adoptive parents, all sharing stories of why they were there and what they hoped to achieve from an open, supportive discussion. After she moved to Columbus, Michelle secretly requested her non-identifying information from agencies back in Cleveland. Michelle drove two hours to Cleveland to prove who she was for her request, and then she drove two hours back. Several months later, she had to make the four-hour round-trip drive back again to retrieve her records in person and to pay the quote-unquote contribution fee.
0: I was also shamed again for even asking for this information. Like, things should just be the way they are, and there's a reason that adoptions were closed, and your birth mother has probably forgotten all about you and moved on.
1: Wow. What did you think to yourself when this person expressed all of those things to you?
0: I was kind of beat down again. I mean, I had a plan and I had every right to have that information. And I didn't appreciate the judgment. I didn't appreciate being scolded like a child. I was an adult and it was really none of their business what I was asking for it was i was entitled to that information by law and i didn't appreciate being being scolded in that way Mm -hmm. or shamed
1: yeah well but you got it
0: i got it prior to moving to columbus my search began literally as i was preparing to move to columbus Mm. so in the fall of 1990 i went to A support group meeting that was sponsored by Adoption Network Cleveland and it was the beginning of my search in that I met a person that night her name was Carolyn and ironically the daughter that she gave up was born in the same year and month that I was born so we had a, a connection in the very beginning she was searching and my friend Carolyn who was a huge help would go to public libraries for me and she would start looking through microfiche and a big clue we had was that my birth mother was 16 when i was born and she had a twin sister so in searching through birth records 16 years prior to my birth she could tell from the family dynamics of the birth certificates at that time she was able to narrow it down to a family.
1: The twin clue was a very distinct one and Michelle's search was narrowed down to one family. Carolyn sent Michelle a fax with all of the information she had found. It was a fax with the facts. Michelle joked. She tucked it away. It had been an emotional journey and she just wanted to take time to wrap her mind around what she had, her family members names and info about where they lived.
0: I, I learned that her twin sister actually lived only a few miles from my childhood home. All my life.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. Michelle shared her very interesting way of processing the information she possessed.
0: Not long after, uh, a friend and I decided to travel cross country, and we traveled for two and a half months. And I, I, I look back now as. Perhaps I was running, perhaps I was avoiding, perhaps I just wasn't ready to have the information. I don't know, but that's what I did.
1: That's crazy.
0: We went to California and back.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's really fascinating. How did you feel at the beginning of the journey versus the end, just in general?
0: Um, This was just me being 22 years old and not having a whole lot of responsibilities and just deciding to do something that I probably would never have an opportunity to do again in my lifetime and we worked for CGI Fridays at the time Mm -hmm. and you could literally walk into any of the restaurants they were all the same and you could pick up a shift and you would put whatever tips you made that night in your pocket and you went on or you could stay for three or four nights or whatever and so we just we just saw the country and it, it was it was a good distraction
1: yeah i'll bet Flurry. i mean
0: we 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 had a great time we really did
1: that's cool wow that's really that's a fun part of your story when she got back michelle worked some more she met her husband to be in 1993 and then they married in 1994. Michelle enrolled in the community college there in Columbus and started thinking again about her birth mother, wondering if she was ready to reach out. She still had the names and addresses of her birth family members. The Internet age had just begun, so she was able to find the phone numbers of some of her family members. So Michelle started cold calling. The first call was to her birth mother's brother, Michelle's uncle, who had phone numbers all over the country where she left messages. Michelle conveyed in those messages that she had an important family matter to discuss, and she asked if he could please return her call.
0: And he did. And at first he was kind of standoffish and wanted to know who I was and why I was leaving messages for him all across the country. And I told him my name and my relationship, and, and he paused, and I asked him if he was still in contact with my birth mother and he said, yes. And I asked if he would be willing to call her and see if she would speak with me. And he agreed to do that.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And I, yeah. So, you know, I, again, I was like, all right, let's just see what happens. And he called me back. I don't remember if it was that night or I think the next night or maybe a couple nights. And he had, contacted her and told me that at that time she did not want to speak with me.
1: Mm, how did that land for you?
0: <sighs> you know, I let it go again.
1: What, what do you mean you I let just, it go again? What does that mean?
0: I let it go again. Same thing with getting the names on the paper the first night. Like, mm. okay, I have this much and at least I've, I've tried. Um, maybe it's just not the right time. And if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And so I put it out of my mind, and I just, you know, went to school, and I, I graduated magna cum laude, and I threw myself into school, and I, I did all that.
1: Wow, it doesn't sound like it hurt very much. You sound rather, rather matter of fact about it for how you're feeling. It was, it.
0: it, it was matter of fact because my expectations through my entire search had always been very matter-of-fact, that I wanted the information, I wanted to know the how and the why, mm-hmm. and I didn't have huge expectations of this glorious reunion, mm-hmm. simply yeah. because that kind of relationship was very foreign to me. So I couldn't imagine meeting A complete stranger, even though she was my birth mother, and running to her and hugging and crying simply because that that just wasn't something I did.
1: Michelle hadn't had the kind of maternal connection that made her feel like a wonderful reunion was likely, so she was able to stay even keeled. She went on about her life for a few years. Then she called her uncle again to see if he would ask her birth mother one more time about connecting. With that second request, her birth mother wanted to talk. When I asked Michelle what was going on in her life to make her reach out again, fishing for a trigger of some kind, she admitted she's just tenacious. She had made up her mind that she wanted this, and when she makes up her mind about something, it will happen. So we
0: spoke. We spoke in January of 1997. Mm -hmm. And I still have the pages that I made all the notes on that night when I asked her, some questions and she, you know, told me some things and, you know, told me a little bit about my birth father and about her place and her family and, um, you know, she was 16 and it was a terrible thing that she was pregnant and the relationship she had with my birth father was very casual and I would later learn that his early life was very traumatic as well and he was raised without his mother.
1: Were they in similar situations? Oh, you're saying as well as compared to yourself. Right. Mm,
0: Yeah. Interesting. so, So she was sent to this home for unwed mothers to give birth to me. And the only person that ever visited her was her brother. And the rest of her family would never speak of me or talk about anything regarding my birth. They were very ashamed. And I, I it was like she gave birth to me and then I no longer existed at all to them.
1: Wow. That's hard to hear. How did it hit when you heard that?
0: It wasn't a complete surprise because I did have some idea of what it was like at that time, the baby scubera and you know, the, that's what the families thought was best for their daughters, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. well, you just go have this baby and then, you know, everything will be fine when you come back.
1: Right, go do <laughs> that thing and, uh, and we'll be here when you get back.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, it, like it's a two week vacation or something.
1: Michelle's birth mother shared that her birth father had been a casual acquaintance. He was a really smart guy, she recalled, but she didn't know anything about his family. He did know that her birth mother had gotten pregnant and Michelle was born in 1969. But the young lovers never spoke again for the rest of their lives. Michelle and her birth mother kept in touch, but they never set a date for when they should meet in person. One weekend, Michelle was back in Cleveland, her hometown, and she knew her birth mother's address.
0: And I literally just parked the car and went and knocked on her door. No way. And that's how I met her.
1: Wow. How did that go?
0: Well, oh, boy. That was a big, deep breath. And let's just see how this goes. So she was home alone. And she was very welcoming. She hugged me and invited me in. And we sat on the floor and we looked over pictures. And we we were both very nervous, you know, obviously, because, of course, I came out of nowhere, right? And she shared pictures and it it was, it was very nice to have that time alone with her as well. She was married and has two sons. So I got to hear about her family and I learned a little bit more about her and stuff. And she's a very kind person. She's very loving. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had always had this kind of idealized picture. As an adoptee, we all do of what your birth parent might be like or look like or act like. And I always envisioned that I was this very strong, independent person, right? And I thought I must follow in my mother's footsteps. And I learned that she barely graduated high school. She never got her driver's license. And she was basically the complete opposite of the person. That I had become, and so uh, she's a wonderful person, but it just wasn't what I pictured her to be in my fantasy.
1: Interesting. It's funny how that can be true, and I wonder if you thought in yourself as that as that realization began to hit you. At the same time, were you sort of also starting to think, "I guess I'm more like my biological father." you know?
0: Yeah. And that's when that definitely kicked in.
1: Michelle said she's happy she met her birth mother some 30 years ago and they keep in touch, but it's non-emotional and sort of superficial. Cards and letters here and there, the occasional call, things like that. She said she threw herself into her own family after that meeting, focusing on her husband, her son, and making the best of his young years in a way that made up for what she missed in her own childhood at his age. Sometimes adoptees are really focused on making sure our children are loved so much and have a great experience with us as parents because we want to go above and beyond for our kids from a place of not knowing our birth parents and sometimes not having such a hot childhood with our adoptive parents.
0: And I did all that. It was so important for for there to be joy and stability and love in my home with with our son Mm -hmm. and that was my mission and i i was able to kind of you know foster my inner child with with all of his activities you know and i gave him unconditional love and allowed him to explore and supported everything that he did you know we were both ravenous readers and something that i was mocked for in my childhood we attended theater and musical performances together we 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 did a lot of theater activities together and Mm. and i contributed as part of the costume department and i still do that to this day even though he's graduated um (laughs) and he's minoring in theater at college so you know we did something right there
1: (laughs) that's really cool way to go you embraced all of his interests took him in as your own as well and look at that he's studying what he loves that's incredible Yeah. That's really cool.
0: So, you know, all of that is happening, and it's wonderful, and it's great, and I'm very happy, and I still have this desire and and yearning to meet the birth father's side Mm -hmm. and to see if I can perhaps, after all these years, make this connection there.
1: Michelle was given her birth father's first and last name in that very first conversation. If you know Michelle at all yet, I'm betting you can guess what she did with the information. She sat on it for a while. Over the years, she looked up his address and kept notes on all of her findings. When the time came, she took the plunge and did DNA tests, which, she jokes, she failed. Twice.
0: Both <laughs> kits came back as unreadable.
1: So, <laughs> oh, interesting.
0: <laughs> I'm a huge true crime fan, and I immediately thought, cool. I could murder someone and they would never pin it on me (laughs) because apparently I have no DNA.
1: What an awful thought. Oh my God, that's hilarious.
0: (laughs) Right? I finally decided to take the plunge and I learned I have no DNA.
1: That is so crazy.
0: They refunded my money and I did a test with another company and it was all good this time.
1: (laughs) Did you you hear what I said? This woman... Graduates summa cum laude, but somehow fails a DNA test.
0: (laughs) Yeah, who does that? (laughs) Me, apparently, but okay.
1: (laughs) Oh, Michelle, that's funny. In her DNA matches, there was no match for her birth father, but he had an account with the DNA test provider. She sent him a vague introductory message, a sort of softball lob, she called it, something that would be easy for him to catch. Michelle alluded to the city where she was born and the year of her birth. In her message, she said, I think we might be related. Of course, Michelle already knew that her birth father knew about her. But she kept her outreach message vague just in case someone who didn't know about her was managing the man's account.
0: So I was very excited. And the next day I logged in to see that he was no longer receiving messages.
1: But there was another message in Michelle's DNA platform inbox from someone named Marlene. She ignored it and put it out of her mind for months. Marlene was a high match for Michelle, but Michelle had no idea who this woman was. So she could have been Michelle's birth father's daughter. But Michelle didn't want to make a connection to her if her birth father obviously wasn't interested.
0: So I let it sit and then... I finally just decided okay I'll reply and see who she is and all that and that was the best decision ever.
1: Yeah. So
0: I found out that so we we sent messages back and forth for a little bit and realized that she is my birth father's half sister. So she's my aunt. Oh cool. And she never knew of me because she did not know she had a half-brother until she was 13 years old.
1: She didn't know that she was related to your biological father until she was 13. Gotcha. So for her, this was an ancient part of his history that just would have never come up because she wasn't on the scene when this happened.
0: Absolutely. Uh-huh. So so what what I learned was that my grandmother... Was separated from her two sons from her first marriage. And so my Aunt Marlene did not grow up with those two boys. And they were kept a secret from her. The whole story did not even come out until the night before Marlene and I were to meet. Her mother didn't come clean with the whole story. There were, there were, Fits and pieces that were told. that when she was told that she had two half-brothers, um, she was told never to speak of it again.
1: Lots of family secrets.
0: Yeah, lots of secrets.
1: Michelle admitted she was apprehensive about meeting a stranger that she might not develop a connection to. Still, she felt she owed it to herself to try again.
0: We share so many coincidences and similarities we would need 2 hours just to cover that
1: wow really can yeah, you give me a couple really, of your, your yeah. favorites
0: so we resemble each other so much that when we're together people ask if we're sisters
1: wow that's interesting cool yeah what are yeah. some other of your your favorite similarities between you
0: our eyes are exactly the same our our Cheek and bone structure. We talk alike. We sound alike. We finish each other's sentences. Wow. We have the same taste in music, the same taste in authors, just some of our life decisions that we've made. We are on like this wavelength that is just crazy sometimes. We will talk for three hours and then hang up. And then text five minutes later with something we forgot to say, <laughs> or or we'll have not talked for like I don't know a whole day, and then we literally will call or text each other at the exact same time.
1: Wow! So yeah, man, you guys are really connected. That must feel so amazing.
0: It it is absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. So we both are so content and happy and finding each other all these years later and we tell each other all the time you are who I get choked up (laughs) you are who I always needed oh and we 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 actually got each other the same exact Christmas present this year um, (laughs) an engraved silver heart pendant very similar not exactly the same and both of them have the same exact thing engraved which is you are who I always needed And neither one of us knew we were, I mean, we hadn't talked about
1: it. That's really, really amazing. I'm just blown away. That's so cute. Marlene doesn't know much about Michelle's birth father. Some of the stories about the family history belong to other people, and it's their story to tell. Marlene has another brother that the women have reached out to, but he hasn't been completely open to engaging with them. They figure it's okay because... They have so much of what they need in each other.
0: We do. I mean, it it is a miracle we found each other. And, you know, we we cherish every time we're together. We live two hours apart. That does not stop us, though. Even during COVID times, we will each drive an hour and meet in the parking lot of Walmart (laughs) (laughs) so we can see each other and have our book club (laughs) and just six feet apart hang out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's so great. I love it.
0: And just catch up and just spend that quality time together. And as soon as we, you know, depart or hang up or whatever it is, we miss each other. Oh. As, as soon as that time away starts, it's it's a relationship like I've never had. I mean, I love my husband. I love my son. But to have this person in my life is just the best gift I could ever ask for.
1: That's really, really cool. I'm so glad to hear that. Wow. I feel good. I know that you've had, you know, a lot of disappointment and rejection and things along those lines. And, you know, it hasn't yeah. always been great, but I mean, it sounds like your relationship with your aunt is just really yeah. special. So, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: So, I mean, I, I just, I, I want to say a a couple things at the end kind of like that are important to me, you know, adoption shaped me, my childhood trauma shaped me, my separation from my birth family and lack of attachment to my adopted family forever changed me to my core, but I'm moving forward with all the joys I have in my family that I built and the family members that I've found.
1: That's excellent. That's really good. I'm glad to hear that. You got to stay with your inner strength
0: yeah
1: go with what you got you can't yeah try to build on something that you don't have so I love that there's wisdom in what you said and there's a lot of heart in it too yeah. it's really great
0: took a long time to get
1: there I'll bet but that's part of this life it takes us a long time to get to where we are you know what I mean and you sound yeah. you sound pretty tough too I'm I'm sure you've been I am
0: one tough cookie <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah but you know I also wish that you hadn't gotten some of that toughness in some of the ways that you did. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so. I do too. And I've always tried to not harp on all of the, you know, sadness or disappointment or all the words for my childhood, whatever. Right. Throw in your adjective there. But, you know, and just like I said, try to make what I could for my family and mm. and, and and our son and I love him and I love that he is now this strong, independent person and I'm so proud of him and I'm so proud of the person that he is and it makes me feel good as a parent and a person that, you know, I had such a big part of that.
1: Yeah, you made him out of love and he's gone forth and thrives. It's really awesome, isn't it? It's a great feeling. That's cool. Wow, Michelle. I'm so thankful for you sharing your story. This is really awesome.
0: I I am so grateful for you and others like you that have um, made it your mission to share the stories of all of um, people touched by adoption and to bring light to the fact that it matters. It really does matter where we came from Mm -hmm. and who we are and what we learn from it and and how it guides our lives and it's so important to keep telling these stories.
1: No, it's my pleasure. It's it's meaningful work and I enjoy supporting other adoptees and I I love the fact that I have a vehicle that allows you to tell <coughs> your story so that others mm-hmm. can hear something that will resonate for them. I'm so glad to yeah. be sort of a, a
0: yeah. Hey, and know. by the way, we have the same birthday. You and I Yes, we do. Really?
1: my Yeah, I'm, three, year, I'm three years older. Oh, yeah? Oh, I <laughs> yeah, love and it. Your,
0: and your birth mother's birthday is the same as my Aunt Marlene.
1: Is that right? Oh, The that's
0: coincidences continue, cool. right? Oh, my <laughs> gosh.
1: That's really cool. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad you flagged that. That's really neat. Well, I'll be thinking about you on my birthday then later on this year. That's so great. All right, cool. Take care, Michelle. All the best to you. All right. Tell Marlene I Thanks, said hi. Damon. Take okay, care. Bye-bye. hey it's me it was disappointing to hear that michelle's position in the family a middle child in so many ways left her feeling like her brother was the heir to the throne her sister was doted on and she was left out i wish michelle could have retained the bonds with her dad that her mom extinguished but i loved hearing that marlene has become a family member that she feels a deep bond and a strong connection to It's the kind of thing so many adoptees hope and wish for, and Michelle has found it. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Michelle's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash WAI Really or follow on Twitter at WAI Really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash WAI Really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir, on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.